Dude, what are you doing? I'm gonna stand for this one. Dude, there's nobody in your chair. You can't guarantee me that. <laughs> no. That seriously is like the scariest part about this is like, what's your defense against this fear? Like, are you gonna bring around a poker and poke every chair? Or like, <laughs> you gonna deconstruct a chair before you sit in it? Like, <laughs> After I was done reading this, I went back to your message and I understood what you sent me and I was like, OMG, I'm never sitting down again. You ever seen those people that like they never sit, they don't sleep laying down, like they stand forever? That's me for the rest of my life now. Well, now we know why the Japanese always sit on the ground. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, I'm going to sit down. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. I'm sitting down now, Crypto. If you are new to the Codex Cantina, we take some of the most important stories that have influenced even today's writers. If you're down for a conversational approach to literature, hit that subscribe button to join us. And as always, we start off with publication information. The Human Chair was published in 1925 in Kuroku Magazine and is a Japanese mystery, horror, short story, freak you out. You're going to cry after it. <laughs> i'll leave a link down in the description where you can listen for free and you're gonna get your heebie-jeebie on <laughs> our copy was translated by james b harris and he actually did a, a couple of rumpo short stories that if you're looking to pick up more about this author which i hope you do after reading this short story he uh he's the guy to go see so rumpo is an interesting japanese author well i'll say known in japan where outside of Japan, he's just really ignored. Like, he's not acknowledged in literary circles nearly on the same level as, like, Edgar Allan Poe or Agatha Christie. But he writes horror and mystery and uh, kind of is kind of one of those, I don't want to say unfound gems, but outside of Japan, he's not celebrated nearly as much as he is in the country. That's the vibe that I got immediately after reading this was like, wow, this guy is like the Japanese Poe. It just had the telltale hearts vibe to it the whole time. And with that ending, it was just like the rug pulled out underneath me. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. Well, here's the, here's an interesting thing. Have you do you know have you ever heard how a Japanese individual may pronounce Edgar Allan Poe, because you know how they have a different phonetic way of pronouncing words. Is it going to sound like the guy's actual name? Edogawa Allen Poe. Edogawa Allen Poe. That sounds like the guy's name. Yeah. That's so crazy. He, so his name. You're not like making a, this up. His name is like a phonetic play on Edgar Allan Poe. So is that his real name or did he do that on purpose? That's a good question. I'm not sure. That's a, that's a really okay. random coincidence. And then to actually write like him, if not, but uh, I don't know his real name, if that isn't his real name. But I will say that he has a lot of similarities to Poe's writing, as we're discussing. Yeah, just the comparisons just seem to be never ending here. I, just, I couldn't get over the bleakness and the grotesqueness and the, the just the feeling that this was that American horror feel of Poe. But it, it, it isn't. And it, it has its own uniqueness to it as well that I, just, I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, this is the main character is just really interesting to me in terms of themes. We got to talk about lookism, right? This is one where this guy is so absorbed into his craft, both literally and figuratively. <laughs> but, you know, we have this quote that's just, First, let me explain that I am ugly beyond description. Please bear this fact in mind. Otherwise, 
I fear that if and when you do grant my ultimate request and do see me, you may be shocked and horrified at the sight of my face. Obviously, we're reading a translated text, but I think even the phrasing of this is incredibly Poe-like, but it also kind of brings in some of that class divide and ambition. This felt like a fantasy to me of this man. What would he, you know, how would he, in a very grotesque and interesting way, live out the things that he couldn't have, which is connections and, and higher class opportunities? What I think that is so cool about this writing style is that he gives you no real description. But we've already said that it's grotesque, that it's horrible, it's horror, and we've given it a praise to being the level of Poe writing, yet the the descriptions there of this ugly guy, it doesn't say that he has warts, doesn't say that he's disfigured in some specific way with a scar or missing his jaw or anything. All of this is Justin and Mai's head which makes it even more brilliant writing because we've done it to ourselves mm. and he keeps doing it. And then the ending, he's done it like up. He's done it to like the nth power. Oh, it's yeah. so crazy good. That's a really good point because we assume based on his word, which he may be an unreliable narrator and maybe he just believes himself. Like, you know how some people believe themselves to be worse than they actually are. That's a very uh, gothic trope, I guess, as well. Is, is it really bad as this character makes it out to be? Yeah, and you're going to make it out to be that much worse. And I think that's where the brilliance of this writing comes into play and why that if you like horror stories or even something that hints at horror, you're really going to enjoy this one. Let's jump into the plot Yoshiko. A young female author sits down in a nice comfy chair to read letters she's received from other young authors to offer them critiques. She opens a letter that is a confessional of sorts. The writer is a furniture maker and is absorbed by his work as he has no close connections to family and is self-described as ugly. (laughs) After completing his masterpiece chair, he reshapes the inner structure of the chair to allow one human being to live inside of it with his arms (laughs) through the arm, like chairs, arm holders whatever they're called his feet folded down so that someone could sit neatly on his lap and then his face pressed up against the back of someone's neck he lived in this chair he packs food and water and even a way to escape from the chair at night the chair is soon brought to a hotel where the unknown patrons sit upon the chair and the chairmaker inside it he becomes familiar mm. with the people at the hotel and claims to recognize people by the shapes of their bodies and smells. <laughs> this story, man, he confesses that often he has found himself falling in love with some of the women who sit upon him. At oh, night, creep he... fact. <laughs> oh. You're just grossing me out rereading this. Yeah, this story has a heavy emotional impact on you. It's cool, man. This is definitely a story you guys need to read on your, like, TBRs for October, man. At night, he sneaks out to burglarize the sleeping guests, amassing a small fortune. After the hotel is sold and shifts from a luxury line to an economy-based line, the chair is sold to a Japanese political official. The writer confesses that he has fallen in love with the wife of the Japanese official in their home. As he describes the woman, the house she lives in, and her husband, we suddenly realize that the woman he's describing is Yoshiko, the authoress reading the letters. And she runs out. No, where is she reading the letter, though? 
on the chair. She's literally sitting on that chair. Oh, and you don't know if he's in there right then. Oh. So later we get another letter from the writer claiming it was all a farce and was based on the info that she had recently purchased that particular chair. And, and he's going to name it the human chair, which is the name of this story. Oh, like, is this real? Did this happen? Yeah, Did this happen, this is, Una? Did this it? Is like, it's like the story within a story of a story. It's it's a frame narrative, but it's kind of also one of those things of like, is it really? Or is this just an excuse? And he actually did it. A lot of ways to take the story, much like a lot of Poe's writing. I'm sorry to, comp- I don't want to like demean Ron Poe by comparing him to Poe. It's meant to be flattering. But the 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 stylistic comparisons of this piece, it's it's unbelievable the story isn't more popular than it already is. This one, how is this one not made into a movie? This would be an awesome horror Halloween-esque creep vibe movie. It really would. It, maybe it has been. This story is awesome. If you haven't picked up on it, you guys need to read this. But the opening line, I went back and read this again because I enjoyed it so much. And I just love how how Rampo just sneaks this in. But it says, Yoshika saw her husband off to work at the foreign office at a little past 10 o'clock. And then like a couple sentences later, they call him the diplomat. So he left these little clues all along that he was a governmental Japanese official as we kind of got to that part of the story before the big reveal, he left clues that you could have made assumptions before even getting to that part of the story. Yeah, it's a little bit horror mystery. There is definitely some good foreshadowing, but it's hard to pick up on because you're very confused that first read through of kind of what's going on. What is this guy doing? Is this for real? What the heck is this? And then the pieces finally start to fall into place towards the end of the story. You're just pulled into the story. In, in the same way that this, I mean, it's a very meta story where Yoshiko, when she's reading this letter, she's like, there's no byline. There's no title. Like she's just pulled into like a confessional letter. And it's the same thing with us as the reader. We're just immediately thrust into the story trying to figure things like, wait, wait, what's going on? Like he's ugly. Like it's amazing how quickly this story accelerated and then boom, it just immediately slows down into this super creepy, slow descent of madness where even this, this main character, this author, the narrator, and I don't know what to call him. He self admit is like, I might be losing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) He quotes again, my imagination began to play its usual tricks, raising strange fancies. In my mind, (laughs) it just in my head, everything was so vivid, even with all these few details, I could picture this very ornate chair sitting in a hotel lobby and all these guests sitting in it day after day. And I could picture this guy, you know, slowly opening it and creeping out at night, you know, poking his eyeball out, trying to look and see if anybody's around and sneaking off to go to the bathroom, you know, and I could I could just picture him underneath there smelling the people and having this like ah elated uh. face it it just i don't know it 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 draws you in to where you are creeping yourself out and you don't even realize it and that is the true testament to a great piece of literature yeah this is this can be 100% enjoyed without some of the breakdown that we'll do today but i think you can enjoy it even more understanding even kind of some of the other things that this piece says 
I really like, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there's a lot of class and ambition commentary in this. He'll have quotes where he'll say, had I been born into a well-to-do family, I might have found the power with money to ease the torture of my soul brought on by my ugliness. Or perhaps if I had been endowed by nature with artistic talents, I might again have been able to forget my bestial countenance and seek consolation in music or poetry. I would never have known this was translated. That is incredibly lyrical writing. And in those those two little quick little snippets right there, right, we talk about how, you know, class rising up and down. Had he been born into that, he could, with power, crush and buy what he wanted. And then he goes on to talk about artistry, too, about how with artistry, he could soothe his pains. He could use art to distract his soul from any suffering that he may have. Incredibly deep insights into the human mind. Isn't that the truth, though, that if you are powerful, people overlook certain aspects of your personality or your physical physique, or if you're famous and you are a famous musician, suddenly your ugliness doesn't matter. It's that you're this super famous musician and you're hot no matter what your looks. It it, it morphs people's, you know, literal perception of you you don't look the same that you do and that he's perceiving people different by sitting in this chair because he can't see them he can only basically feel them and smell them and he is having to create what these things look like and by you know people smell like and we do that the same thing as well based on people's you know fame or money it is very very meta it's so interesting too because as he's like building his confidence is that how i'm supposed to describe this like he's getting closer with people because if we recall his ugliness is what kept him separate self-proclaimed from other people right he he wasn't close to any family or any friends like they said that earlier in the story that this is the only way in a very creepy manner that he can actually start to feel a little bit more closely connected to someone since he doesn't have the money and power to buy it he like use his artistry to that that paragraphs you know second point to integrate himself basically underneath them feeling the curvatures of their spines and the lumpiness of their buttocks oh the story is so interesting but also so meta too where he's finally building confidence with them and what's he do he starts stealing money he sneaks out at night as they said and we have that quote where he says i of course realized that i would no longer have to return to my humble life as a craftsman or actually i was comparatively wealthy the thought of my new role in society seemed to overcome my disappointment in having to leave the hotel so here just like that quote earlier he's used his money to buy his way into the wealthy life, not to worry about this learning. And he used his artistry as a way of kind of sneaking into the confidence and soothing away his pain of ugliness to finally connect with others. And and I think that's what he's wanted all along is to connect with others. Even though he says it's money, I think he's leading towards that. Like the money would be used to connect with a woman because he fantasizes about holding hands with them. I think that his character grows a lot while being in that chair. And not only was it what he wanted, but I think that it makes him grow as a person. And we have a great quote from the story. Upon careful reflection, I realized that it was indeed a grave. As soon as I entered the chair, I was swallowed up by complete darkness. And to everyone else in the world, I no longer existed. How did you take that line? 
I think sometimes we get lost in our means to an end. When we crave power or when we crave something, we will twist our words. We will twist our intentions to get what we want. And here he is being swallowed up in this scheme to finally close in and get closer to humanity that he's literally being absorbed by his own ambitions. I kind of took it that way as well, but I also took it that he he no longer existed and he closed a chapter of his life before and he reinvented himself as someone new and that that person died and he's going to be a new person moving forward with this money and confidence because he has finally become someone that he thinks that can fit in with the rest of the world. Yeah, I can see that. Let's talk about his relation to the outside world too. We've talked a lot about him. But let's talk about how he views the outside world, too. What does he value, right? So he's a man with deformities, okay? He builds this chair with a, a presentation that isn't what it is on the inside in the same way that he may be ugly on the inside, but are we supposed to believe he's <laughs> beautiful on the inside? I don't know. He's kind of creepy. But we, we have these quotes where I say, Usually women are classified in two large categories, the plain and the beautiful. However, in my dark, confined world, inside the chair, facial merits or demerits were of secondary importance, being overshadowed by the more meaningful qualities found in the feel of flesh, the sound of the voice, and body odor. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love how beautiful and lyrical it is. And the way it just creeps you out, too. But it's deep, too. Like, this isn't just, these aren't just, this isn't just purple prose to creep you out. It it can be that if you don't look into it. But there is a lot being said here about lookism and what we use to get what we want out of life. Oh, and the, the chair is the perfect metaphor here of what is on the outside is not what's on the inside And that is true to all of us. What you see here is not the true me on the inside of how I feel or who I am or what makes me me. You're just seeing the facsimile and that you shouldn't judge people on their looks, even though we do it all the time. I think that he's trying to make a point here in the story is don't judge people on what they look like because there is something more meaningful underneath. Just like that pretty chair, there was something more meaningful underneath a whole person. And a urine bag and a bunch of old discarded food packages. <laughs> what do you think he's eating? Did you ever think about that? Uh, it can't be. It can't be anything crunchy because they adhere him. <laughs> so you think it's like Twinkies? Well, no. It's, I mean, there's no Twinkies haven't been invented. But you can just imagine like a moist, spongy oh, food. He's oh, like, don't, oh, please don't, please don't. Oh gosh. Okay, let's move. And back. he's mushing it. Ooh, ooh. Let's <laughs> let's move into like one of my last questions here. Why create this story as a frame narrative? What is the point? Of him saying, oh, no, 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 that wasn't real. And I think some people will believe that real quick. But I think they still feel creepy. I think there's more to that creep factor and why this is a frame narrative than, a, than what's on the surface. Well, I think it brings back to the kind of the one of the whole points of the story is the duality of everything. The chair is not a chair. The story is not a story. The lady doesn't know, does know. Uh, it, it just it adds not confusion to the story, but just another layer upon the mysteries of this story and to kind of keep you guessing. And I think it adds a little bit more fun per se. Okay. Okay. Now, one of the things that I thought, I thought you might, I thought you might say was 
that appearances aren't as they say always appear so usually a frame narrative an outside story tells something about the inside story or the frame story tells something about the the external story and i think that kind of goes along with the lookism theme of things aren't always as they appear right it's the same thing with the chair that we talked about but even beyond that i gotta say i think the fact that he's almost calling out oh no no that's just a made-up story i think that actually makes it more real because if he didn't do that, I'd be like, well, that's a ridiculous story. Who would ever live in a chair? But the second he does the reverse psychology move on me where he's just like, oh, no, no, no. That, I just made that up to, you know, get get in your, your you know, attention, this author. You know, th- that wasn't a real story. But I'm like, but was it? Like, maybe he's just saying that to throw you off. I mean, he could get out of the chair, right? Maybe he just ducked out back and is pretending that he wasn't in the chair. Like, I think actually calling out that it was fake actually made it more real to me for some reason. <laughs> One thousand percent agree when you're dismissive about something or you joke about something or you pretend something doesn't matter to you. It does. What are you going to do? You're going to go to your friend's house for the Super Bowl party and be like, hey, man, um, can I check out the back of your chair real quick? Like you start poking it with like a little fire poker or something like like this is the ultimate horror story where you can't stop it because you have no idea if it's happening unless you feel some hot air breathing on the back of your neck Ugh, and then it's too stop. late <laughs> well is the man a chair or is the chair a man that's all i keep thinking Ooh. i was like uh, uh well guys we will leave a link down below for more japanese inspired playlist talks of ours maybe we'll do more rampa what do you guys think I, I, to me i'm kind of like why isn't this a story that we read in school like this the story is amazing what <laughs> Like, I really don't understand why this story isn't more popular than it already is. But hey, hopefully this has brought some awareness and maybe inspired you guys to go check it out. This is super cool. Super cool story. Crypto, what are you going to rate this one? 9.5. I will oh. also go with a yeah. 9.5 because it's it's amazing. Great story. Yeah, we've given a lot of praise already throughout this video, but if you haven't read it, hopefully we brought up some points that you can go back and reflect upon and reread it again because I think you're going to get more out of it. And every time you read it, you're going to get yourself a little bit more freaked and creeped out. And I guarantee you the second or third time you read it, you're going to be standing. Yeah, you'll be standing. Uh, yeah. I read oh, this yeah. in my favorite chair and I seriously was like, oh, I think I'm going to get up now. Throwing it away, aren't you? <laughs> You can throw that chair away. You ain't got no favorite chair anymore. Oh, guys, (laughs) we post videos every Monday and Thursday with a bonus video on Tuesdays. If you're down for that conversational approach to literature, make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us. Una out. Peace.